Hello, and welcome back to Strength and Dignity. This is Michaela Estruth, and you are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I hope you are all doing well and had a wonderful week. So last time I introduced this show, Strength and Dignity, kind of talked about the idea behind it, what I am anticipating covering on the show, and then I did more of a brief cover of one quote from the site Ms. Magazine, and it was on abortion, and I talked about the contradictions in that paragraph and the viewpoint and just the twisting of truth through the promotion of abortion. So this week, I'm jumping right back in with Ms. Magazine, and I am going to quote a couple different places from the same article talking about the Dobbs decision. This was written by Anzev Demirhan on the website Ms. Magazine. So she starts out, and I'm going to read a a couple paragraphs, so bear with me. In their fight to eliminate abortion access in all 50 states, right-wing dark money groups are peddling the notion that abortion access harms women, and even more outlandish, that the Dobbs decision overturning Roe empowers them. Aaron Hawley, married to insurrectionist Senator Josh Hawley, Republican from Missouri, recently testified before Congress following the Dobbs decision where she claimed abortion has incalculably harmed women, families, and society. The Dobbs decision gives America the opportunity to reaffirm motherhood and in so doing truly empower women. So that quote was from Aaron Hawley who testified before Congress uh, speaking on behalf of Dobbs and then in this article, she is quoted saying that, and the entire article basically talks about that quote and then uh, makes arguments against it for the most part. So I think I made this point last time, but on their website, Ms. Magazine has the section news and opinions. Um, so this is under that section, and you can definitely sense their bias throughout the entire article. Even in that first sentence, you probably heard right-wing dark money groups. And they continue to use that language throughout this article, basically painting any conservative Christian organization as evil, corrupt, only seeking profit, which is rather ironic because a lot of them are nonprofit businesses. But for example, they, they cite other businesses such as Alliance Defending Freedom, which helps defend many people. I mean, they've they've covered the the Baker case, and they've covered they're covering court this year, a court case this year, um, kind of similar along those lines. Actually, coming from Colorado, they cover a lot of religious rights versus government and different issues like that. They're a conservative law firm, basically. Anzev Demirhan also talks about ethics and public policy center. She talks about other organizations. I don't know if you've heard of ethics and public policy center, but it's in D.C. and it's a I, I don't know much about it, but it is definitely pro-women, pro-Christian. Uh, I met w- with one of the women there, Mary Rice Hassan. Um, she works there, and she's a strong, devout Catholic, but it is, as as the name suggests, it's a public policy center, but it's pushing conservative movements, Christian ideas, and trying to get truth out there in Washington, D.C. 
Um, there are several other groups that this author talks about in her article, but those are the two that really stuck out to me that I was familiar with, which is why I was bringing them to attention. But I was just, all of that to say, this whole article paints all of those groups as evil, corrupt, money-seeking, selfish, um, just basically kind of against their the organization's entire purpose. And it's it's just a little hard to follow the argument when a lot of the argument are ad hominem attacks. They're just attacking groups or attacking people instead of attacking the argument or really dissecting it. So we'll get right in to another quote further down in the article. She says, again, these dark money groups are appropriating progressive ideas about women's empowerment to try to sway public opinion toward their anti-choice efforts while absurdly claiming that anti-abortion extremists are the ones who truly care for women. So as I was saying, this is an attacking language and throughout, I mean, even in our culture, obviously you've probably heard of this, the anti-language instead of the pro-whatever. So the pro-choice side and the pro-life side, instead pro-choice side calls the pro-life side anti-abortion side. Um, and then they also call them anti-choice, anti-choice, anti-abortion, um, kind of trying to paint this in a negative light. She's, she's trying to paint this violent picture, basically, of these groups to already get your reader to disassociate with them, to be frustrated with them. And let's just be clear. I think I mentioned this last time as well. The abortion agenda is to make money. Planned Parenthood employees are seeking to sell abortion to young women. Even if the young woman is not seeking an abortion, they are supposed, the employees are supposed to persuade that woman that an abortion is the best idea. I don't know if you have seen the movie Unplanned or read the book Unplanned. It's by Abby Johnson, who was working for Planned Parenthood and eventually stopped um, and then joined the pro-life movement and spoke out against Planned Parenthood. And she shares a lot of this of it doesn't matter what the client was coming in for. The job of the employee at Planned Parenthood was to offer abortion and to say this is the best way and even if perhaps the woman was in an abusive relationship or she had just been raped or some horrible tragedy that she needed help not only with caring for a child that she was now pregnant with but also just the situation she was in she needed protection and the employees were not supposed to address that at all they were only supposed to recommend an abortion and they weren't even really supposed to file down the situation so that is what Aaron Hawley, who this article is quoting, is, I believe, referring to, saying that this, again, her quote, she says, the Dobbs decision gives America the opportunity to reaffirm motherhood and in so doing, truly empower women. And so she says that abortion has, quote, incalculably harmed women, and families, and society, end quote. So that's, again, the idea of the abortion movement is a money seeking movement uh, a money-seeking business it, it simply is and that's that's why she's saying it has harmed women harmed families and harmed society because it is not seeking to protect them and it is in fact tearing apart a family it's ripping a child out of its mother's womb that is the closest knit part of a family and it's tearing it apart and that ultimately affects society because families make up societies I mean you can study this throughout history Aristotle talks about 
the family unit being the core and then families coming together and making up societies and then societies coming together and making up a civilization um, and eventually entering into a government, things like that. Um, they all, You also hear talk about like the family structure as kind of a model of a government system and then that is that is embedded into society and then eventually forms the government system. So that's getting a little sidetracked, but point being people think this is just between a woman and her doctor or it's only about the woman it's her choice because it's her body my body my choice but in reality if you look at it it affects not only the woman it affects her family and it ultimately affects society you can look at rates such as poverty um divorce rates different different things going on in society and see them connected with the feminist movement and just things that have been brought out because of this movement especially with regards to abortion So, getting a little deeper, um, talking about the harming of women, I'm going to go in more specific. I talked about how it affects women, families, and society, but also let's just talk about the science of abortion is completely contrary to the biological process. It is inherently against the design. Your body, a woman's body, is producing hormones and life for to support this child um redirecting her blood flow and all of this to to sustain the child and instead of supporting that it is removing the life from inside the womb and that is completely contrary to how biology works so yes it definitely harms women um whether it's chemically or physically it's destroying life it's countering the body's natural production and it's harmful it i there's no process such as abortion that is completely contrary to what your body is supposed to be doing. And abortion harms every single woman who has an abortion. She is harmed by that because it is against her biological design. So further on in the article, she continues, I'm going to quote, This position suggests women's sole value is centered around motherhood. It also uses pseudo-feminist claims to detract from the real dangers a post-Roe landscape presents for people. In the myriad ways abortion access has helped advance gender equality in the U.S. in the last five decades. So she says that the sole value of women is centered around motherhood. Well, let's just be clear in Erin Hawley's words, again, this is the person she's quoting and arguing against, that's not what she's suggesting. She, her exact words are the opportunity to reaffirm motherhood. She did not say it is the only importance of women or the only job of a woman is to be a mother. But what she is suggesting is that motherhood is a beautiful, unique gift and Women have the unique privilege to carry a child inside her body for nine months. Motherhood is so special and none of the men can experience it because no man will ever be pregnant. Um, And that mother-child connection that for nine months that child knows its mother's voice. She's She or he is responding to her. Um, the mother's feeling the baby move inside of her. That is so unique. And I mean, obviously I have not experienced this, but just from what I've been told, the description of it, it is, it's beyond words and it's so beautiful. And so I just want to reaffirm as Erin Hawley is reaffirming in her words that motherhood is a gift. It's not a prison sentence. It's not um, oppressive. It's giving the giving of life to another and it's beautiful and it's unique. 
I'm just always reminded as I watch mothers love their children, either while they're pregnant or just raising them in a godly home. It's, I believe it points us to the sacrificial love of Christ because a mother is literally laying down her life for her child every day. She's sacrificing her needs and putting her child above her own. Um, when she's pregnant, she's sacrificing I'm being comfortable for nine months. I mean, as beautiful as it is, let's be honest, it probably is a bit uncomfortable to carry around an eight-pound baby inside of you. Um, so yes, motherhood is a gift and it is beautiful and we should not view it as oppressive. So when Aaron Hawley is saying that motherhood is reaffirmed through the Dobbs decision, she's not saying it's the only thing that women ought to do, but she's saying it's beautiful and we should celebrate that. And just kind of going off of that that gift of motherhood and also just the, the life-giving quality of a woman, women don't have to be mothers to have that life-giving quality. Women give life in other ways besides being mothers. They, we, we can just state kind of from the way we interact in society, people, I think, are hesitant to say this, but it's very true that women are naturally more emotion-driven. They encourage, they love, they lift up, they comfort not that men don't, but women do it in a distinct way. Actually, Proverbs eleven sixteen says, a kind-hearted woman gains honor. And I think that's so beautiful because in the way that we're sacrificially loving others and serving others, it is honorable to God. And it is, people honor a woman, that, that really sticks out when a woman is just investing in others and caring for them and loving them. It's clear and it's evident and people honor her for that. So the other part of this quote is that abortion access has helped advance gender equality in the U.S. in the last five decades. And again, I believe I talked a little bit about this last time, but I just want to clarify that the second wave feminist movement, third wave feminist movement, as well as just abortion in general, they confuse intentionally, but they do confuse equity and equality. So equality becomes equity when they begin abolishing natural differences. So it's not just saying that we're equal, we're of equal standing. It's also saying we have to have the exact same things, access to the exact same things and basically be the exact same person or human being, which just doesn't work. If you look at our bodies biologically, we are designed to do different things. Men have different hormones than women. Women have different hormones than men. Men have stronger muscles, more muscles, different bone structure, Women also have a different bodily structure. She has more fat on her body. She, even our brains and our emotions are different. They're, they're designed by a creator who knows what he's doing and they are different for a reason. So this is how third wave feminism and the LGBTQ movement kind of overtook feminism because this idea of not only equality, but equity. So now if you aren't abdicating or defending the newest issue, you're canceled and so the newest issue has become this third wave feminism. So, for example, J.K. Rowling, she would definitely align herself as a feminist, but she kind of spoke up, I believe, once against this third wave feminist movement, and she was completely canceled. But if you really look at this movement, the LGBT movement contradicts the original feminist desire because... The original desire was a proper even standing and equal ground, the equality desire. They wanted recognition of their contributions and permission to engage in society. That was kind of the first wave feminist movement back 
in the late 18 or early 1900s. But now instead, if a man says he's a woman, it is right and it is good and he is a woman. And that completely redefines womanhood and robs womanhood of the unique beauty that it is. So women in the first wave movement were not saying that we are men. Instead, they were saying we have things to contribute and offer and let us participate. But now it's saying what is a woman? What is a man? It doesn't really matter. It's whatever you want, which is completely contrary to the original idea. So going back to abortion, abortion has truly robbed women of the beauty of motherhood, as I talked about before, because it paints it as oppression. It's devalued women's unique and equal role to that of man's. And even though the roles are different, they're not ranked in importance. Both are vital and both complement each other. So then lastly, I'm going to go through a couple more quotes that she talks about at the end. She says, Quote, but a marker of true progressive and feminist efforts begins with the understanding that one person's liberation cannot be at the expense of someone else's oppression, and there is nothing more oppressive than taking away someone's agency and bodily autonomy by dictating that they carry a pregnancy against their will. End quote. So this is, this is literally how she's ending, and she's promoting this progressive feminist movement, and sadly, there is in a way, a complete irony in this paragraph, because she says that one's liberation cannot be at the expense of someone else's oppression. But if you really look at that, the oppression of a child is what liberates the mother, quote, in abortion, because you are removing a life in order to give the mother what she wants. So our world is not only refusing to discuss the morality of abortion, but it also is refusing to discuss biological and emotional effects of that abortion. That bond is broken, as we were talking about before, and a woman carries that weight with her, her entire life. Our culture dismisses it as if nothing happens. You go in the room, it's done, it's solved, whatever, move on with life. But how is that really caring for women? And I believe that is what Erin Hawley's point is, that the abortion industry is not seeking to help women. It is oppressing them because it doesn't care about her emotional status or the fact that she just lost a child. Instead, it is literally oppressing someone else in order to liberate the mother. So yeah, that just, that paragraph is truly twisted again in, in the view that freedom cannot be at the expense of someone else's oppression, but that is exactly what abortion is doing. So I'll just end with this, as I've been saying throughout, women's role and contribution is unique and beautiful, and robbing a woman of that joy and beauty is harmful and cruel. God's design is good, and we must trust that design, because then we can all say with David as he writes in Psalm 139, 14, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Not only is he talking about God knitting the inward parts of a child, but he has made each of us fearfully and wonderfully and each of us as unique, unique in him and unique with the talents that we can bring and who he has designed us to be. So rejoice in that design and until next time. Thanks for listening to Strength and Dignity. I'm Michaela S. Truth, and you are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. God bless.